This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. The best guest in the NBA, especially this week, but in my opinion, all year round is Bobby Marks of ESPN, uh, longtime front office executive with the Nets and now the all-knowing analyst on the trade market, the salary cap, and everything else you could want, especially this time of year. Bobby, how you doing today? Great to have you on. I'm good, Pat. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Always great to get your insight. Now, uh, full disclosure, I reached out to you Friday morning to ask you to come on just to talk about the trade deadline. And then, of course, Friday afternoon, things got a lot more interesting when we heard about the Kyrie Irving trade request. Um, what was your initial reaction? You couldn't have been uh, completely shocked because it's Kyrie Irving, but how surprised were you at the timing? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think you, you hit it right on the head. Surprise as far as the timing um, – you know, they had played probably the best basketball out of any team when Durant, when Kevin Durant was healthy. Uh, Kyrie had kind of kept this team afloat, um, that, that um, the Knicks game and the Utah game and that Golden State game. Um, you know, you had gotten, you know, beat by 40-plus the night before in Boston. And, yeah, I, I, I was surprised at the timing. Uh, I know from his mindset, he's probably looking at it like that he's doing Brooklyn a favor by letting him – letting them know, I guess, four or five days before the trade deadline that, um, you know, you're going to lose me for nothing. Might as well get players or draft picks for me for now and, instead of waiting to the uh, into the uh, end of the season. But, yeah, it, it did, you know, considering where the Nets are with their record, you know, they're still in the top four in, in the Eastern Conference. Um, it did catch, I think, caught a lot of people a little bit off guard. And now the reports today, and I, I read this from Brian Lewis, who covers the Nets for the Post, that he has not decided whether he will suit up for the Nets again uh, or potentially sit out the rest of the season, which would be kind of the nuclear option. Uh, do you think he has played his last game in a Nets uniform? I do. I think he'll be traded by Thursday. I, I do. I think both sides, uh, I, I think for, for Brooklyn's perspective, yeah, you'd love to have Kyrie back. You're, you're not going to – probably not going to win the trade as far as what you can get back, um, what you can get back in a deal. Um, and um, I think the Nets probably don't want to be dealing with this another month from now here. I, I think the interesting thing, and nobody has really talked about it regarding the holdout part of it, is that that's not in his best interest <laughs> if, there's not a, <clears throat> if there's not a deal in place. Because if Irving holds out for more than 30 days, then Brooklyn has to get permission for him to become a free agent this offseason. So if you're thinking, yeah, I'm just going to sit out the rest of the year and become a free agent, that's not going to work. So I would say that there's probably <clears throat> likely a, a trade happened, um, you know, when we get closer to Thursday. So if that happened, he sits out 30 days, Brooklyn doesn't grant permission, then what happens? Is yeah. the final year of his contract just rolls over? He's just not – he's basically just – he's not under contract with anybody and he wow. can't sign with anyone without the Nets permission. He's almost like a restricted free agent, but without a, without a, you know, a qualifying offer waiting for him. But to your point, it's been four years, almost four years of this stuff. I mean, Sean Marks and, and Joe Sy and the yeah. Nets probably just want to get done with this, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, like, you know, when it, when initially this came out on Friday, you're thinking, all right, well, you know, he's still extension eligible with Brooklyn until June 30th. Um, but Cooler has prevail. Um, you know, whatever Brooklyn was offering him an extension wasn't appealing uh, for him. You know, why all of a sudden the, the, the trade request? And you're right. I mean, we're you, it, you look at the, the track record here uh, for the last four years. It's 
in uh, there's always something that happens with Kyrie Irving on or off the court here. And you could say the same thing in Boston during his tenure and how it ended in Cleveland. And But on the other end, there's always going to be a team or an executive or a head coach that will probably welcome him you know, with open arms here. Now, the big question will be is how many years is that team willing to invest in him? Is it for the next four months? Is it for the next two years? I would say highly unlikely it would be, you know, three or four years, um, you know, on a, on a contract. Before we get into that part of the conversation, we're talking with ESPN's Bobby Marks. You, you said you expect him to get traded before the deadline Thursday at 3 p.m. So what is the market for him? Who are the leading suitors to acquire Kyrie Irving? Yeah, I mean, we've we've heard about you know certainly both uh, Los Angeles teams. You look at Dallas. You look, certainly look at um, you look at Phoenix here. I think it's a matter of do you see him part of your future, or as I said, do you just want him for the next you know four or five months here? I think the, the Clippers probably have the most to give uh, in, in a trade um, when you look at you know certainly players like Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard and Robert Covington. They've got a ton of contracts. They do have a first round pick. I, I think you know we, we're hearing a lot about the Lakers here. I just don't see how a Laker deal makes sense for Brooklyn when it's Russell Westbrook and two first round picks that don't start until 2027. I mean, maybe if you parlay those, you know, those three things into something else with another team or a third or fourth team, because you have to remember, I mean, you still have Kevin Durant on your, on your roster. That 2027 first round pick does nothing for you right now. He's going to be off your roster here. So you're looking for players that can help you win now and, and hopefully help, you know, sell to him when we get into the off season here. So that's, I would say the, the Lakers, if you look at, if you rank the four teams are probably fourth in my uh, estimation, as far as what, who has the most to offer in a deal. Bobby, by all indications, Kevin Durant, who came to Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving, they were a package deal in the summer of 2019. Durant's been very supportive uh, of Irving publicly. You know, I, I, I'm sure we don't have insight into his actual feelings right now, but I mean, he, he's got to be throwing his hands up in the air right now about this. Yeah, I mean, especially that year you were what were they 18 and two when he got hurt uh, when Kevin got hurt in Miami. Um, they were the two seed at the time. Um, there's no reason why when he comes back, whether it be in a week or two weeks, that they can be in, you know, stay in the top three here. And, and now the, the, the trade request basically throws things into, into chaos. And the likelihood is that Kevin Durant will have new teammates, you know, when he comes back from that injury. Let's go take this a step further, um, whether it's the Lakers, the Clippers, Dallas, Phoenix, those are the teams you hear. Whoever trades for Kyrie Irving, obviously the next step is he is a free agent at the end of this season. Yeah. Uh, that's what led to the trade request. The Nets not offering him a contract extension. Uh, and you've been in that position, Bobby, as the longtime assistant general manager for the Nets franchise. I mean, what sort of contract offer would you make this guy when you factor in his talent, which is unquestioned, and what yeah. he has done to the last three franchises he has been a part of yeah i mean it'll be interesting i mean if there was a trade that happened with any of these teams he's, he's eligible to sign a, um, a two-year 83 million dollar extension that's the maximum that they can offer right now up until uh the end of uh the end of june i, I think it depends on who's on your roster so if you look at the lakers with lebron and ad who have you know another uh, what two years left on their deal um, after this season. Both have player options. I think that's that's I'm lining it up with you know on a two year contract. Same with same with the Clippers. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, both players after the season two year con two years left on their contract with a you know with a um, 
you know, a player option in the last year. It's hard for me to commit more than more than that to him. Um, it's 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 just based on. It might start great. You know, he might lead them to you know one of these teams to an NBA Finals, and he's a great player. There's nothing. There's no doubting he is a great player, an All NBA player. But it's when you get into that second year and that third year here, and I'm not sure he's the right guy when those players on your roster are not on your roster anymore that you're going to want to build your roster. Bobby, let's go over to the Knicks. Uh, they have the sure. assets to be active. I mean, they still have all the assets they didn't cash in for Donovan Mitchell prior to the season. We haven't heard a ton about the Knicks, but if you watch them play, look, they're better than they were last year. That's clear. Obviously, Brunson is a big reason for that. But especially when you look at their bench, there are areas in which this team can improve. What What are you hearing, if anything, about what the Knicks might do? Yeah, I mean, you're still waiting for that next disgruntled all-star to become available because, you, as you said, you do have the draft assets to go out in a deal. Unfortunately, there's nobody there right now. That's usually a little bit easier to do, um, you know, in, in the offseason here. I think certainly, you know, what happens with Cam Reddish? We haven't seen him play, I think, since December. Um, I don't think there's a, yeah, a need to try to move off the Fournier money um, that that he's owed. You know, he's got n- another year left on his on his uh, deal here. Um, it's you know you're right. I mean, you watched last night's game against the Clippers. You know, they're good enough to get you there. Now the inability to finish that's that's probably the big thing here. And my big question is is that whoever they get, will he play? Right. I mean, we've seen Tibbs kind of shorten the rotation. They basically go with eight players. Um, you know, we saw with the reddish trade that, you know, he did not fit in and it didn't work out. And that's kind of, if you're willing to give up multiple draft picks or four first round picks, you got to make sure that that player kind of fits, um, what you're looking to do. What about an Alex Caruso? I mean, can he make sense for this team? He's defensive minded, which, you know, Tom Thibodeau likes, I've got to think he would be an upgrade. I know he doesn't bring a lot of offense to the table, but right now they have Deuce McBride playing 10 to 12 minutes a game and, uh, he doesn't bring any offense at all. Would that be an upgrade or a possibility for the Knicks? Yeah, it would. I mean, the the problem is is that there's so few sellers out there here. So I I was giving an analogy to somebody earlier, like if, you know, if Alex Caruso was a carton of eggs, he would be probably, you know, a $15 carton of eggs in the supermarket, right? Where normally he'd be probably $3. So to go out and get a player like that, it's going to probably cost you two first round picks. And it's not probably the Detroit or the, the Washington ones that you have. Um, and are you willing to do it? He's got a, he's on a really good contract. As you know, he can, you know, can play, you know, is a two way player here. Um, but yeah, he, I, I, he would be great on the Knicks here, but it's just a matter of kind of, you know, are you willing to give up, you know, probably multiple ones. Well, hearing you say that, Bobby, I think it's probably not worth it because yes, he would improve your yeah. team, but, but how much, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the big thing. And that's what you're, you're going to see in the next week here. With, you know, teams like, um, you know, Utah, who's got, you know, Lee Beasley and Mike Conley and Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, they'll, they'll move off those guys if the price is right, and the price has to be pretty high. Bobby Marks of ESPN, uh, ahead of the trade deadline, which is uh, four days, two hours away. Um, is there a player league-wide, Bobby, who, if he's not moved by Thursday, you'll be surprised? Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I don't know about a player, but um, you know, I would say, you know, Toronto, just based on where they are, when you look at Gary Trent, and probably not, not as, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Fred VanVleet's not traded, but where this team is, I think they're seven games below 500. Um, both those players, Trent and VanVleet, are on. Um, they've got player options for next year. They're going to be a free agent here. Um, 
you know, it's similar kind of what they went through in 2021 with Kyle Lowry and Norman Powell, uh, and Powell was eventually moved out to Dell and actually for Trent. Um, but th- that's kind of who I've kind of circled as far as to kind of keep an eye on. And, um, you know, that I think one of those pro- players probably do, you know, wind up getting moved. Overall, and I've gotten wall-to-wall calls on this today, obviously a frustrating loss at the Garden last night for the Knicks. Yeah. Um, how do you categorize this Knicks season? Because, look, it's better than last year. They have yep. the draft capital. They have the point guard for the first time in forever. But they're still a long way away from contention. Um, how do you categorize? How do you sum up where the Knicks are right now? Yeah, I mean, I thought how the, I mean, how the Eastern Conference was that this team was probably a playing team. Um, you know, they can still get to, into the – I think Miami's right in front of them into – the, into the top six here. I just think – I think what happened was is that I guess it was that 2020-21 season when they you know over overachieved and you know you get to the you know you're a four seed and you get to the playoffs and you know Julius's first year or sorry, I guess the second year um, that set the expectation up right and then you saw them kind of take a backseat last year and I kind I think this is kind of who they are right now um, you know this is probably a Probably a 44-45 win team, but you're right. I mean, you had the uh, the Laker game the other night. You had the, the Clipper game last night. There's been a bunch during the season where, I mean, you grab, you know, you win four four of those games. You know, you're in you're at five right now. You're not just one of these playing teams here. So, I would say, you know, if you're giving it a grade, probably a B minus. You know, I mean, I think this is kind of who this roster is. Bobby, for me, in the initial aftermath of Donovan Mitchell officially going to Cleveland, when I saw what the asking price was, I felt that the Knicks were wise to avoid that, that it was a little too steep. But now, with hindsight of now 60% of the season, um, do you think the Knicks would do the Mitchell trade if they had a do-over? I don't think they would. I mean, Donovan's been good, and he's been really good in Utah. He's missed a ton of games, though. Um, with injuries, I just think what you know, and I just learned this, and you know, by being in Brooklyn and in New Jersey, here, is that when you're going to give up everything, I mean, draft picks, swap rights, players, man, you better make it sure it's the right player, um, and that player is going to be um, there for the foreseeable future. And I understand Mitchell's ties to the um, New York area um, under contract for the next whatever three years here. But it was. Do they feel like he was the right player, and did they have enough draft assets, enough enough around the roster to keep on getting better here? So, yeah, I mean, I think you can make the argument here for me. I think it was, um, you know, a little bit rich. You know, I think you see what's going on in Minnesota right now with the Gobert trade. That's really turned into a disaster as far as how much they gave up here. So, I, I get it. I understand it from a Knicks fan. You're frustrated and you're kind of waiting. Well, who's the next guy going to be? Is it Zach Levine or Bradley Beal or? Damian Lillard or one of these other players, and if they do become available, will New York kind of go in all in, or are they just waiting for that perfect player? I'll ask you one more hypothetical, and this might be a loaded question because you spend decades in the front office of this organization. But look, the 2018-2019 season, the Nets had something good going. They got back to the playoffs. They played a really tough first-round series against Embiid and the 76ers. And then, of course, they bring in Durant and Irving. Um Three and a half years later, uh, knowing how it's all turned out, would the Nets do that again? I think they would, and I think probably 29 other teams would probably do it too. I, I think the hard, the hardest part is going from a nice, good team to trying to become a great team. And take, becoming a great team is either met with you know, a lot of adversity 
um, or a lot of jubilation here. And I think this Nets team has met a lot of um, a lot of adversity. And you know, remember, both those guys were free agents. They didn't have to go out and trade for him. They didn't have to give up anything for him. You know, I think if you had a do-over, it would probably be the Harden trade. I think that's probably the do-over you wish you had again because you would have had Jared Allen on your roster. You would have had Karis LeVert. You would have had all your draft assets to go out and do another deal. And that's why I said if you're going to make when you make these deals of that magnitude, you better get it right because you don't get a mulligan. You know, Bobby, for me, one more. Everybody points to the hearted hamstring injury in that Milwaukee series in game one. For me, it's the Irving ankle injury. Because if you remember, yeah. Harden gets hurt. Oh, yeah. The Nets oh, ran yeah. the Bucks out of the building in sure. games one and two. If, if, if Ky- and Harden was going to come back. He did come back um, quicker than he could, quicker than he wanted to because of Irving's injury. If Irving doesn't turn his ankle in that game four, I, I think the Nets win the championship that year. What do you think? Oh, I agree. I mean, I think you, you look at even go back to, you go to game three. I think they're up like three three points or they're up, you know, at the end yes, of the late they, yes. game in the fourth quarter. And they, yeah, and they wind up, I think that was the Bruce Brown game. And you lose that. Okay. Now you go, you have game four, Irving sprains his ankle, you know? So yeah, you, you, I mean, that's how fickle this thing is, is that you win game three. The likelihood is Milwaukee's not coming back from down 0-3 and, and you probably win game four and, and there. And, but now, whatever, two or three years later, now we're talking about Kyrie Irving potentially being traded by the end of the uh, end of this week. What's a busier week for you, this week or the first week of free agency? I would say the first week of free agency just because you know there's going to be action, right? Here, I think you're kind of like in a little bit of a holding pattern um, based on, hey, there might be 14 trades this week or there might be three. But at least in free agency, you know there's 150 players and the majority of them are going to sign contracts. Um, and there's going to be trades because everybody doesn't like their roster in the offseason here. So I would say... I would say um, the off season, but the off season is more of like kind of a four week stretch. We're here, we're kind of just cramming it in in five days. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Uh, four days and counting from now, Bobby. I really appreciate you giving us some time this morning. We'll be watching your coverage all week long, and we'll talk to you soon. You got appreciate it for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Bobby Marks of ESPN. So uh, expects Kyrie Irving to be traded by the trade deadline. Uh, it just shows how important talent is, and. Look, he was in Cleveland, torpedoed that franchise. He was in Boston, tried to torpedo that franchise, but it had strong leadership. Uh, Now he's in Brooklyn. He has undermined and one more time this week tried to torpedo this franchise. And still they're lining up for him. Dallas, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Lakers, because he's as talented a point guard as there is in the NBA. Some thoughts from the likes of Brian Windhorst and Stephen A. Smith are ahead in your calls as well at 1-800-919-3776. Pat O'Keefe with you until 2 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Knicks have played nine overtime games this season. Spike, terrific caller in the first hour, mentioned the Knicks have played uh, 19 games this season that have been decided by two possessions or less. I didn't check it out, but it certainly sounds right to me. Uh, they're in each and every game, and it's been exciting basketball. Uh, sometimes it's been frustrating basketball. I listed earlier in the show the games that felt like they could put in the win column and somehow found out a way not to win those games. Last night I wouldn't categorize as that because last night had the feel through three and a half quarters of a night in which the Knicks just did not have it. And then uh, the bench did a really good job in the fourth quarter. R.J. Barrett with Toppin and Quickly and 
McBride and Hartenstein got the Knicks back in it, and then the starters came on, and Brunson led the way uh, to the Knicks ultimately taking their first lead of the game with 52 seconds to go on the Quentin Grimes three. But again, there's just that one possession, that one rebound that the Knicks were not able to corral, and a second opportunity at a game-tying three-pointer for the Clippers was good by Nicholas Batum. And the Knicks, and we've seen this a lot this year too, where the Knicks get to overtime, and then the first two to three minutes of overtime, they're just ice cold. And last night, it wasn't the shooting, it was the turnovers, and they didn't take care of the basketball. And next thing you know, you're down by five, you're down by six with a minute and a half to go and not enough time to make up the deficit again. And that's what happened last night, and it ended up being a frustrating loss for the Knickerbockers. Uh, regarding the Kyrie Irving story, um, Brian Winhorst of ESP, on ESPN Radio, obviously ESPN's longtime uh, NBA reporter, was asked how he thinks the Nets will react to Kyrie Irving's request. And considering that this team, when it was together, played really well in December and that Durant is coming back here possibly before the All-Star break, I cannot see them doing anything but tripling and quadrupling down on maximizing this season. I My initial feel here, without seeing how the league reacts to this news, is they will not grant this trade request and remind Kyrie that they will have his rights this summer and that he needs to remain a partner. Well, that's what Bobby Marks just said regarding the Nets holding Kyrie Irving's rights. Look, it's a game of chicken right now. Uh, I, that my initial Winhorst's initial reaction was my initial reaction too. It's like the Nets have invested so much time into this, going back to that late June, early July morning of 2019 when uh, Irving and Durant agreed to come to Brooklyn as a package deal, shocking the NBA world. Uh, Durant sat out the first year. Irving, as has often been the case throughout his career, was a part-time player that first year. That was the COVID year, uh, but they were really ready to hit the ground running in the 2020-2021 season. Uh, and then, of course, shortly into that season, they make the trade for James Harden. Uh, the three of them ended up playing eight regular season games together, but they were all healthy for the playoffs. They had their way with the Celtics in an easy five-game opening round series win. And then you go back to that second round series, and that is where – so everybody, uh, including myself, I intimated to that, would the Nets do it again? You have to go back to that Milwaukee playoff series in round two of the postseason in 2021 because that's where this entire thing changed. The Nets and the Bucks in game one, I think it was 41 seconds into game one, Harden pulls up lame with a hamstring injury, and he's now out. The Nets fell behind by double digits, but then figured it out with Durant and Irving and the rest of the supporting cast. They win game one, 115-107. to Game two, still no James Harden. And at one point in that game, the Nets led by 50 points. They led by 50 points. They win the game 125-86. to a 39-point victory. They go up two games to nothing. And as Bobby Mark said, Game 3 was the one that turned the series around because Milwaukee clamped down on defense in their own building, beat the Nets 86-83. But again, that was a game that the Nets had a chance to win. Milwaukee wins by three to get back into the series. And then Game 4 in the second quarter, a nationally televised game, Irving's driving the lane, comes down on Giannis's foot, Badly sprains his ankle, and now he's lost for the series. Brooklyn now playing without Irving and without Harden. Series is tied at two games apiece. It goes back to Barclays Center for Game 5 when Durant was heroic, 
49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists. The Nets somehow, with Durant and a 40%, 50% James Harden, serving mostly as a decoy, beat the Bucks. Now they're one game away from winning the series. And at some point, Irving's probably going to come back. At some point, Harden's probably going to get his hamstring healthy enough. They go back to Milwaukee where the Bucks win game six. And then game seven was that game in Brooklyn. When Durant hits that incredible turnaround, Nets down by two, and the toe was on the line. I mean, just think about how crazy that is where they were on the verge. That, by the way, was the year Milwaukee won the championship. You know, Giannis goes to the finals. They win four straight against the Suns after falling behind two to nothing. It cements Giannis's legacy with that 50-point performance in the game six win over the Suns. None of that would have happened if, A, Kyrie doesn't sprain his ankle in game four, and B, if Durant's toe is not on the line, but it was the Kyrie injury. Everybody points to the Harden injury because it happened at the beginning of the series. Knicks would have won that series. Nets would have won that series without Harden. They dominated Milwaukee in games one and two with just Irving and Durant. That's how good these guys are. That's how close it was. And then last year, you have the vaccine saga with Irving refusing to get that. Um... He finally does come back, but by the time he gets there in the playoffs, the Celtics are are cooking. The Nets are swept out. Harden asked out. They make the trade for Harden, and it's basically an empty roster spot the rest of the season because Ben Simmons wasn't ready to play. And then you go into this year, 18-2, and two, over a 20-game stretch in December and January, on their way to being maybe the best team in the NBA. And then Durant gets hurt again, which he always seems to. And... They lose four games, but then they start to figure it out. And Irving is, talent-wise, at his best. It's the best version of Kyrie Irving we saw for about a week, a week and a half. But this happens all the time. Everybody said, when Durant went down, everybody said, well, let's see how, everybody who pays attention to this stuff, well, let's see how long this lasts. Let's see how long, with Kyrie Irving now as the leader, how long before this all falls apart. And what was it, two weeks? Two and a half weeks? I mean, his swan song was last Saturday night when he scored 20 points in the fourth quarter against the Knicks. That was it. That was George Costanza leaving on a high note. I'm out. Thank you, everyone. That's it for me. And that's it for him. You know, he's always thinking about it. He, he's got to be, for ta- I'm sure there were worse teammates, but for a guy with his talent level, he's got to be the worst teammate in the history of sports. He really does. And people love him. I don't know him. I've spoken to him a couple of times. He has no idea who I am. Um, Pleasant conversations when we've spoken. But uh, he seems to be, just through his actions, he seems to be the worst teammate in the history of sports. But people love him. Fans love him. They loved his sneakers before they were discontinued by Nike because of his sharing of the link to the anti-Semitic film. So they'll have to love the sneakers that were previously made because they're not manufacturing them anymore. But fans love him. They loved his sneakers. Players love him. Look, he was voted an all-star starter by the players, by the fans, despite all the off-court drama and the suspension by the Nets at the beginning of the season. That didn't seem to bother fans. That didn't seem to bother the players. People love him. I don't, I, you know, I'm clearly missing something, and I'm not alone. I know that for a fact. But just through his actions, he seems to be the worst teammate ever. You know, you go back to when he was in Boston, his last season in Boston, and that was a young Celtics team on the rise. Irving was hurt. 
It was LeBron's last stand in Cleveland. Game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. Irving not playing for the Celtics. He wasn't in the building. He wasn't in the building for game seven. Who does that? Who wants that guy on their team? But he's so freaking talented that people want him on their team. And they will continue to, and every team's going to think that they're the ones that can harness him. And you know what? It can be harnessed for a period of time. There have been stretches here in Brooklyn where he was brilliant, but there's always an expiration date. You just hope that you can lift that championship trophy before you get to the expiration date because you know it's coming. And you know what? If you happen to be the team like the Cavs were, and this is before he really went off the rails. He was still a young player when he won in Cleveland with LeBron, but they did win with him. So he'll always have that. You have to give him a couple of pieces of respect. Number one, he's a greatly talented player. Okay, I'm not gonna, I, was, I was about to say great player. He's not a great player. He's a, terrific, he's, he's a wonderfully talented player, okay? No question about that. Number two, he's won a championship and not, you know, been along for the ride. I mean, he hit the biggest shot in the NBA Finals when his team won the championship. And it wasn't just about that shot. You know, when the Cavs fall behind three games to one, he had a couple of 40-point games. He and LeBron were unbelievable in games five, six, games five and six in that 2016 NBA Finals. So you have to give him that. But who would want him on their team? I wouldn't at all because the other shoe is always going to drop. And you know what? Everybody saw this a million miles away. And that's why the first question I asked Bobby Marks was, um, this couldn't have been a complete shock, but how surprised were you? Because it's the timing, I think, that you're surprised at more than that it happened. You figured it would happen at some point, maybe not with his team, in the middle of a playoff push. They're still in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Kevin Durant is coming back. If none of this happened on Friday, if he just kept his mouth shut and played basketball and continued to help hold the fort until KD comes back, this team could have won the NBA championship this year. I firmly believe that. And now assuming that this plays out the way people think it will, with Irving having played his last game in an edge uniform, I don't see a pathway for them winning a championship with what they'll have left. They're not going to get equal value. I'll right, we'll go back to the phones when we continue. Nah, one 800 here on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Philly started off the season 23-15. and 15. That was their record on January 6th. Since then, they have gone... 13-2 and two over their last 15 games. And Joel Embiid is putting up just some monster numbers. This week alone, go back to last Saturday when he outdueled Nikola Jokic at 47 points and 18 rebounds in a Sixers come-from-behind win over the Nuggets. And he followed that up with 30 points, 28, and 33 on Friday in a win at San Antonio. So the Knicks and the 76ers right here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Pre-game coverage begins at 5.30. I'll have that for you from Madison Square Garden. Uh, in the meantime, let's go back to the phones and welcome in Mike on Staten Island. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's up, man? How you how doing? You? I'm good. How are you? I wanna, I'm want doing, to. i doing good. I, I, I like your discussion. Uh, I didn't think um, it, it went far enough, so that's why I'm calling. Because there was a lot of discussion that you did Um Previously, but it left out one major guy, Shai Gilgis Alexander, R.J. Barrett's homeboy from Canada. 
There was no question. I ain't hear nothing about him. Every, everybody's talking about him coming to the Knicks. So it's supposed to be a big trade for him, and he's he's R.J. Barrett's homeboy from from Canada. They play on the Canadian um, basketball national basketball team. So, what have you heard in regards to that? Ty Gilgis Alexander, thank you, Mike. Thanks for the call. Uh, what I have heard regarding Shea Gilgis Alexander is that he was what some teams, including the Knicks, thought was a realistic option in the offseason after the Donovan Mitchell trade fell through uh, reports were that the Knicks had pivoted and engaged in conversations with Oklahoma City for SGA uh, what's transpired since then is SGA is now the fourth leading scorer in the NBA he was just uh, rewarded with a spot on the Western Conference all-star team the other day for the first time in his career he's averaging 31 points a game uh, and shooting 51% from the field for a guard. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, unfortunately for Knicks fans and anyone else interested in acquiring him, uh, has now been moved from what you hear to the untouchable list as far as Sam Presti and Oklahoma City is concerned. And then the other thing is, yes, Barrett is obviously grew up with SGA. They're both Canadian basketball players. Uh, long history there. You've got to figure that if the Knicks, if, even if he wasn't untouchable, and if the Knicks were able to work a trade for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you've got to think that R.J. Barrett would be included in that trade. So even if the Knicks were able to bring him in, the likelihood of pairing him with his fellow countryman, R.J. Barrett, would be extremely unlikely. I mean, you look at what the Knicks have to trade. Um, I think, well, R.J.'s clearly their biggest trade asset and, and not as much as he was before the season. He's now more expensive. Although I think time will show that that's not a bad contract that RJ is on. I think RJ has improved each and every year of his career. He's going through a bit of a slump right now. He's been very up and down since he returned from the lacerated finger over the last month. But Barrett's also a guy, look at his career every single year in the NBA. He has played better in the second half of the season than he has in the first half of the season. He's also a very hard worker who has improved each and every year. So I think time will show that that is a reasonable contract that R.J. Barrett is on. He's the Knicks' number one trade commodity. If you're the Knicks, I think outside of Brunson, everyone is on the table. I don't think a lot of people are lining up to uh, trade for Julius Randle because of the combination of, obviously, he's expensive and the fact that Randall is a tough fit. Randall is a highly productive player, and this is a big part of the conversation we've had today. But Randall is a guy who puts up those numbers in a certain type of system, and he's gotten used to it. His four years in New York, a big reason for the numbers, he's gotten used to having a prominent role in this offense. Now, he's taken a half a step back this year with the addition of Jalen Brunson, and I think that has led to Randall's increased efficiency across the board. Uh, but if you're a team that's going to make that investment to try to acquire Julius Randall, chances are you're already a winning team that's trying to get to the next level. If you're a winning team, Randall, like a championship-caliber team, Randall's probably you know a third option on that type of team, and that's not a role that he has played in a long time. he's That doesn't seem to be a role that he can easily fit into. I think Randall's difficult to move. The Knicks don't want to move Jalen Brunson. They don't want to move R.J. Barrett, but I think everybody outside of Brunson 
from the Knicks' perspective, is on the table. And then it's just a matter of can you find him? I don't. I don't think the Knicks are going to make significant a significant move this week. I think they could make a move to uh, improve their rotation, especially coming off the bench. And I also think they could make a move with one of the three veteran players who could have a role somewhere else but have fallen out of Tom Thibodeau's rotation. I think they could move on from Cam Reddish. Uh, I think they could move on from Evan Fournier. And I think if Derrick Rose wants to take one more crack at playing for a contending team, I think the Knicks will do what they can to accommodate him and send him to an ideal situation for that. So I could see that kind of move. And then the other kind of move, I could see the Knicks bringing in somebody to shore up their bench rotation. You know, maybe a backup guard who would then slot in ahead of Deuce McBride in Tibbs's nine-man rotation. All right, 1-800-919-3776. More on this as we head till 2 o'clock on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Pat O'Keefe Show on 98.7 ESPN. Joel Embiid listed as questionable with soreness in his left foot. Look, as I said at the very beginning of our show when we got together this morning, um, if you don't play in a road game at Madison Square Garden, that means you are really hurt. So we'll see how hurt Joel Embiid is tonight. You know, maybe there's a game coming up at Barclays Center that he could sit out. And that is something that the Knicks have always had to deal with. Uh, Now, there's been good and bad to that scenario of playing in New York in the past. Back in the day... Um, the Knicks used to play a lot of those 12 o'clock Sunday matinee games. Um, and then you'd have the team come in from out of town on a Saturday night and get a free Saturday night in New York City. Uh, and then you could tell a lot of those times on Saturday, excuse me, on Sunday afternoon at noon, how much the out-of-town team enjoyed the spoils of New York City the night before. So that's the good part of playing in New York. But as I mentioned, the bad part, and it's not a bad part, it's just it's life. It's it's. It's what it is. It comes with the deal of playing for the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Every player loves to play at Madison Square Garden. They love to come in, and they love to put on a show, and they love to play on that stage. And we saw that this week. right? Kawhi and Paul George have been part-time players this season. But sure enough, Clippers at the Garden against the Knicks, and there they were last night, each putting up more than 30 points. And then the Lakers last week were in town to face the Nets in Brooklyn on Monday and the Knicks at the Garden on Tuesday. And LeBron and Anthony Davis took Monday off because playing at Barclays Center against the Brooklyn Nets is not a big deal for them or for anybody in the NBA. It doesn't have the historical significance. It's not a big deal. Playing in Madison Square Garden always has been and continues to be a big deal for stars throughout the NBA. And there LeBron was on Tuesday night, leading the Lakers with a triple-double, his first of the season, to an overtime victory against the Knicks. This just popped up on Twitter Uh, According to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson could possibly be $100 million apart in contract talks over how much guaranteed money should be in his contract. According to Fowler, quote, the trade calls are coming. So I would expect one of them to be from Jets general manager Joe Douglas. What that does, it just uh, deepens the field of possibilities for the Jets to upgrade their quarterback position, right? Because you have to do something. They've already said it, that they're going to bring in, they intend to bring in a veteran quarterback. How can they not, given what we just witnessed this past season, between Wilson and an injured Mike White, who 
despite a couple of flashes, is still largely unproven in the NFL. And then obviously what we saw from Joe Flacco at the end of the season, it's a position that needs a complete overhaul. I expect at most one of those three quarterbacks to be on the roster next season. I expect it to be Zach Wilson, and I do not expect it to be in a starting capacity. You start with Aaron Rodgers. He's the gold standard. He's the top prize. He's the one who can literally change the franchise. Uh, Derek Carr is a plan B. Jimmy Garoppolo is a plan B. But if Lamar Jackson can become the plan B, I'd still, I know Jackson's a lot younger. I still would go Rodgers over Lamar Jackson. I think Aaron Rodgers, even at this age, for two years, yes, but even at this age, Aaron Rodgers is more of a sure thing. All right, we had a great show today for the first Sunday since Labor Day without NFL football. A lot of basketball talk. I want to thank Patty Trainer for talking football, talking Giants with us. Does a great job covering them for Sports Illustrated. Bobby Marks of ESPN getting us set for the NBA trade deadline and his thoughts on Kyrie Irving. Uh, Tom Bauer and Julian Kushnick doing a great job producing the show today. And to all the callers, appreciate your contributions as always. I'll be back right here at 530 with Nick's pregame. Ty Butler up next. Have a great Sunday.